When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greetings all, it's Murray McCormick uh, with another edition of Rider Rumblings without Rob Vanstone, who is on uh, a day off. Instead, we have filling in from for Rob is Daryl Davis, who in combined, do we have nearly 80 years in the business, Daryl? I was trying to... I think so. You've long since passed me, Murray. I've I lost know, count. but uh, Daryl and I, uh, for a quick thing, we worked together in Moose Jaw. We worked together at the Leader Post, and we're still good buddies through all of those many, many, many times. And uh, very happy to have Daryl. Daryl, just let people know quickly what you're doing now, and if they haven't caught you on what your, your latest escapades in life are. All right. Uh, after all the freelancing writing stuff aside, Murray, I'm still regularly on uh, Rocco Radio with uh, – Jamie Nye and Belton Johnson. We do a pregame and postgame rider show on uh, on the Green Zone, and uh, I'm regularly a wise guy on Wednesday afternoons too. I remind Drew Remenda and Jamie Nye that the show isn't called the Wise Guys until I show up. <laughs> so uh, we we do that. It's mostly Rough Rider talk, obviously, and uh, there's so many other things I'm involved with. Regina Sports Hall of Fame, and the uh, Secretary Treasurer for the Football Reporters of Canada, which somehow gets me into every CFL <laughs> stadium I need to get into, and. Uh, keeps me abreast of what's going on in the Canadian Football League. I'm teaching a journalism class at the University of Regina. I've been doing that for a little while, too. So we're working on the next generation of journalists, Murray, to the ones who are going to push you and me right well, out the door. Looks the, the, judging by some of your graduates, it's not going to take much of a push from them. You had some pretty talented people go through your classes and over the year. Thank and you, Murray, you humbly, I that. They, they are. And they he humbly missed. He's a Hall of Famer, Canadian Football Hall of Famer in the media wing. I think class of 06? Yeah, 2006, I was inducted with Al Mackey, a great writer from Calgary who also wrote for the Globe and Mail. So that's one of the things I'm proud of. And I'm always glad to say that I'm in the Hall of Fame when I see who's going in because it, it's it's humbling when you think about it. But thanks for mentioning that. It's Mario. kind of exciting it. to have a friend who's a Hall of Fame. Well, I have a lot of friends in the community wing of the Hall of Fame. Anyway, from the Hall of Fame, we'll try to take the make switches. Was that a Hall of Fame game on uh, Sunday and the, the postponed game and all the shuffling around and everything? And eventually we played. And uh, the Argos won 31 21, as we probably all know that. But, Daryl, a quick assessment of really one of the weirdest weeks I think you and I, in our 80 years combined sports coverage, we've ever seen with a, a CFL team. Yeah, the, I was telling the guys on the green zone that the only thing it reminded me of, and, and I'm not trying to belittle either, either event, but I, I remember after the 9 11 tragedy uh, when the the terrorist attacks, the Rough Riders were on their way to Calgary for a game after that. And there was so much doubt 
thrown into their scheduling because they had to figure out when it was time to play again. So there was a three or four day delay before they played their game in Calgary while the world was grieving and mourning and figuring out what was happening. So uh, not, you know, I'm not trying to say there's a real parallel other than the fact that it was quite kind of disjointed the entire week. Were they going to play? Weren't they going to play? What happened to the team? And, uh, you know, the fact that they were even able to field enough players to play was pretty impressive. The fact that they almost won it was pretty impressive. But they, it was really a sloppy, badly played football game. And it was just a matter of who was going to give it away last. That's pretty well. That, you know, people ask me, I've seen a few friends since the game, is it possible to have a moral victory? And moral victories don't count anywhere in the standings. We know that. But I kind of thought... Yeah, this is a bit of a moral victory. The fact they stayed competitive until the fourth quarter, when I when I just think they got tired or something happened in the fourth quarter to, to lean to the Argos scoring seventeen points. But a moral victory, considering what they had on the field from a rookie quarterback to one regular receiver, who we'll talk about KSB, Keontae uh, for Baker a little bit later. But eight targets and not a single catch, which still is adds to the whole weirdness of this whole this whole game. But I just think the fact that they were competitive and Jake Dalagala ups and downs, I guess the best, best way to describe him, uh, kind of mm-hmm. stood in there and kind of helped him out. So, Rob, do we say this is a moral victory, Daryl? Can we even count that on the moral victory <laughs> scale? Is it still a loss? Is a loss? Is a loss? I heard you asking that uh, in, in the scrums on our on our radio show. We hear often hear your, your questions, Marie, and we give you credit <laughs> for them because you, you do ask good questions. Uh, and I heard them chuckling a little bit when you asked the players that because professional athletes seldom think it's a moral victory, right? They, they, they're paid to win. They, they want to win. That's what they're geared for. Is there a moral victory? I guess from the outside looking in, you can say they did better than we were expecting. You're right about Jake Delagala. He, he started way, way, way down got more comfortable as he went along. Remember, it's his first full game, basically, at game speed in the Canadian Football League, playing against veterans. I know he played in the preseason, but he did get better, and he missed Keon Schaefer-Baker at least eight times. Uh, One time wasn't even close enough that they had to guess who he was throwing at. So he, considering what a big target uh, Schaefer-Baker is, it's amazing that he missed that much. Um, Moral victory... That's for us to always, as a reporter, to always say, oh, yeah, they must have got a moral victory. But I don't think the, the Rough Riders will, will gain a whole lot of confidence from it. They'll say, well, we, we lost one. We probably should have won. Mm-hmm. And it's true. They were winning 15-11 at halftime. And that, that was a real surprise. They had it late in the game. But that fourth quarter was horrendous. Mm-hmm. Two yards of offensive, net offensive yards. Uh, they out, were outscored 17 nothing. a bad turnover at the end. So just too many things that went wrong. So I don't think they're going to – I think that – bitter taste from that fourth quarter is going to be in their mouths more than any any sweetness of a moral victory. I, I don't think, maybe this is wrong, I don't know if they were ready for Andrew Harris. Boy, he had a game. You know, just, <laughs> he's so, he's, he's bigger than you think, he's faster than you think, but I, I looked on his stats here, sorry, I hate to do this when I have to do this because I'm not radio, what did he have? 26 carries for 143 yards. His longest carry was 19 yards. He just bowled them. There was just a short runs that gained and fell for. It always seems to fall forward and gain a couple more yards. He that's just, one of the things. Yeah, that's one of the. That's a great point. That's one of the things we were talking about too. Is how how he does that. He spins and goes forward when he falls and he's being tackled. He goes forward. Don't forget, he also caught what six passes yeah, or seven passes, I think, too. Yeah. A, a multi multi talented threat. Um, they did a good job on him with their regular. Uh, defense in place in touchdown Atlantic. They had really sh- did a pretty yep. good job of shutting him down, but 
you knew that eventually he's going to break free. He always does yeah. in Saskatchewan games. Somebody said, and I, I think I saw this numerous times on Twitter, when Andrew Harris retires, it's going to be a provincial holiday in Saskatchewan because <laughs> yeah. right? he just does such a number on, on the Rough Riders. He's, he's uh, an amazing player. His helmet got more yardage than exactly, he did, I yeah. think, because it always pops off and goes forward. It, I think they really have to uh, try to prevent that because he's, he's getting thumped through the line, but he likes to do that. He's a bit of a show-off. He's a bit of a ham. Uh, he's also got a reputation because he, he was suspended for illegal substance use too, right? So, um, uh, you know, that's always kind of been a, a tough spot to deal with in terms of the Rough Riders and the, and the fans, but he certainly was a powerful man in that game. And you're right, he's bigger than you think, right? He's so well-proportioned. And somebody was saying he's got old man strength now, the way he was able to plow through. Uh, you realize that he got into that linebacking crew a lot. Uh, and was really the weapon that allowed the Argonauts to control that football game. I think once he gets a little bop in the nose from a guy wearing a helmet, that might get him to fix his helmets a little easier, a little more sooner. I think than so. I think or he so. could take it off and throw it at Duke Williams. That's true too. Yeah, Duke missed Shaq Richardson anyway. That's another <laughs> thing we kind of we we're talking about all the COVID names like, and they stopped adding the ins and outs to the rider game sheets and the death charts, which normally isn't that big of a challenge when you have nine different guys on there and a little, we run rosters in the leader post. I don't people pick up the printed edition. We run rosters. So I have to go through and sort out all the nine changes, which is just a little wine on my path, but that's okay. I, I had to do it anyway, but with all the changes and Duke having Duke Williams out there, out of there and Shaq Evans and all these guys like Delegala really had no one to really throw to other than Tevin Jones, who appeared to be his favorite for quite a while. But so, do you rate? How do you rate Dalagal's game? Do you say it's? Do you see something there, or do we just sort of write it off as kind of almost like a preseason game? I'm not quite sure about that. Yeah, yeah, I saw something. I I, I saw improvement. I think Murray is what you want to see with a quarterback, right? It, it, he was so unsettled at the beginning. His footwork, he was bopping around quite a bit, but he got more and more settled in. I know his passes were high and high and outside, yeah. and he missed a lot of pitches. That's that's the truth, but. He seemed to understand more and more what was going on and where he was looking. You're right. He was regularly thrown to Tevin Jones. They've obviously worked together quite a bit on the, on the practice yep. roster, right, with the scout team. So they're used to that. And maybe he's not used to, to Schaefer Baker as much as he is to some of the other guys who he's worked with regularly. Um, uh, he's got a, a big league arm, that, that throw to Samuel Emelis. Yep. Uh, imagine that, <laughs> 47 yards downfield, underthrown. He probably could have thrown a little bit more. Yep. Uh, you know, Emelis is a very fast player, and I, I there's one of the guys I like watching. I, I see improvement in his game, too. And I think they've got another good young Canadian receiver uh, who, to add to their game. But they had no extra receivers. I, I'm amazed at yep. uh, uh, the fact that they had all those receivers – Injured or sick because of COVID, which is amazing that COVID, you know, we want it to be over, but it obviously isn't, and it really affected their roster. But they did not put any extra receivers on. I think they ran out of receivers, but we were expecting them to use a lot more fullbacks, right, mm -hmm. or tight ends. But they didn't seem to do that. Maybe it's because it's too complicated So uh, for Dolagala and maybe for some of the receivers. So with this simple package, Dolagala looked okay. He's got to get a little bit used to standing in there. He showed some strength. He, he did get away from a couple of pass rushers a couple of times and uh, almost had a patented Cody Fajardo spin yeah. move there at one time. Um, and uh, he, he, he looked okay. He looked better and better. And it would be interesting to see if the experiment continues, but I don't know what they're going to do next game. I, I think they're probably going to go back to Cody Fajardo, even though he might be hurt because he'll get a week after that to rest. Yeah, that's I'm kind of leaning towards. I have to see what happens 
when we find out more and we return to practice. I'm trying to remember which quarter it was, Daryl, and you can help me out here. When they got down to the one and things looked really promising, and then uh, Josiah St. John took the illegal procedure, Frankie Hickinson took a, got knocked back and from beyond. I think it was, which was it, the fourth quarter, Daryl? Do you remember that one? Uh, I, I believe so, Murray. I, I lost track of the ends. Yeah, <laughs> I forget which ones they're at. So I know it happened, and I know the penalty you're talking about. Yeah, they were looking so promising, and all of a sudden it's second and goal from the sixth as yeah. opposed to second and goal from the one. The, both the, the Rough Riders offense and defense seem to have a lot of trouble on the one-yard line, don't they? They, they did, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things. Yeah, it was what that was really disruptive. I think that hurt them as much as any any penalty. They they took a lot fewer penalties though, right? Did, six, yes. six for fifty one yards, which is about half their normal normal ration. So good for them on that one. But that one penalty, the one that you're pointing out to Josiah St. John, who was making his first appearance of the year yeah. after an injury, um, really really cost the Rough Riders. Yeah, a lot. They had a lot of those. How about? You know, maybe the fact they didn't have as many pants because they couldn't run the ball effectively, so they weren't hitting each other with <laughs> more in pass line. Because that that was like one of their worst rushing games ever. They just couldn't. Like Morrow had his power, but he just didn't gain anything with it. And Frankie Hickinson really, Hickson didn't really do that much either. The running game was pitiful, and that's. Do you blame it on the offensive line? Do you blame it on the fact? That, I don't know how much receivers are blocking on that, but that was really. You kind of hope they take the pressure off of a young quarterback by running the ball. And they didn't really do that very effectively at all. Yeah, yeah. But if you and I knew that that's what they had to do, then I think the Toronto Argonauts knew that that's what they had <laughs> yeah, to do true. as well, right? Yeah. So uh, what were the the Argonauts were run blitzing a lot, right? There's a lot more people in the box, a lot more guys at the line of scrimmage, filling the gaps to make sure the running back couldn't get anywhere. They were even up so aggressive that they were able to cut them down on the swing passes. And, uh, exactly. You know, the little screens. So they, they were geared to stop the run because if if Dolagala was going to beat them they made him throw it you know and they got caught that one on Samuel Amelis right because they don't expect him to throw that deep and if you did well it was a long shot that it was going to happen so the the Argonauts did a very good job of, of strategizing defensively and being able to stop the Rough Riders because as we said if they wanted to run if they were going to win they had to run the football they couldn't run the football so they couldn't win I thought defensively they played well enough to win though I think yeah. Charleston, Charleston Hughes had a comeback game, I like to think. He just seemed to be all over the place. Your bromance with Charleston Hughes, though, Murph. I know. I, I kind of <laughs> – uh, we didn't have one in the last 2019. You <laughs> You're making there's amends, no, are you? Yeah, there's no <laughs> bromance there. But because even now he comes up and talks to me. It's kind of funny. I don't know what's going on, but – Boy, the well, sack he had. Same age. You're close to the same age. That's true, right? too. Yeah. Same generational exactly. discussions. The the <laughs> sack he had on McLeod Bethel Thompson was huge. I thought he was offside, but he was so quick off the ball. He used to get people wondered that too. In his prime, was he always offside when he got such such a great burst off the line of scrimmage? But that was a great sack. And then the one where he scored the touchdown. But what a I mean, you're going to call me bromance. But what a smart move on his part, tipping it for it. No, you should have kicked it. I know we don't think of that, and that would have counted. But yes, I've seen them practice that tipping the ball forward. So I wonder why they're not always where that ruler was. But just a, it would have been a great touch. It would have been a great moment that would when we jumped into pill coach and everything. So yeah, <laughs> it was a great of, play, great athleticism shown by Charleston yeah. Hughes, who, who at 38 years old is still effective in small doses, small batches. I don't yeah. think they can play him every down, every every game. But in spots like that, he still comes up with some impressive plays. You're right, really quick off the mark. And the fact that he did that, most players train that way because they think if I flick it out of bounds, we retain possession, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what they often do. So they're trying to flick it. And 
it's not often that it happens in the middle of the field. If he had have kicked it, he might have kicked the, the Toronto quarterback from McLeod Bethel Thompson's hand and then may have gotten penalized for it too. So the yeah. fact that he reached down and flicked it, if that happens during a regular season, it's like a forward fumble, right? You're not allowed mm-hmm. to fumble forward to a teammate, to yourself, because then the play comes back to where it was. And that's what the that's what the play was all about. Basically, they called it an illegal forward pass. It's basically the mm-hmm. same as an illegal forward fumble, right? But if he had have kicked it and not gotten a penalty, what a play that would have been. And that would have – those are the little things that really – like we talk about that one penalty, that little play against uh, Charleston Hughes. that he, he did everything right, he thought, and it ended up costing them a touchdown. They ended up with a field goal on that drive instead. So, you know, four points at that stage – changes how the game ends probably because the Rough Riders were, were really on a momentum swing at that time. And that's the most electric I've seen the crowd this year. I think that was one of those moments where you know, just the place erupted. They were just, because I think they're all kind of like Charleston. They're all like the older guys. You know, he's only one of the three of them. There's not many guys older than him. But I think the crowd just erupted there and they were ready to go. And this is then the touchdown gets called back and the, some of the enthusiasm, electricism, electricity is taken out of the crowd. But that's one of the moments I thought I haven't seen the crowd like that this year. There wasn't a great crowd by any stretch, but they still had them. And that's one of those moments that they had a good chance to cheer. Yeah. They were keyed up a little bit too, though, Murray, when you have to wait, like the Rough Riders were too, you have to wait an extra day when the game gets yeah. delayed one day. I know that we were talking about that earlier, what's going to happen. And you get more and more nervous as a player is because you get an extra day to key up. It's all about routines when you're a football player. Exactly. And the fans are like that in this province too, right? They get their, they said weddings and things around yeah. the Rough Rider schedule. So if you have to delay it for a day, then they're starting to get a little bit nervous and their hotel reservations, if they drove in from out of town, they got to get uh, drive back and, and they want to see something big happen. So they're really pumped for it too. And I, I think the extra day built it up. And, you know, I, I know it was tough on the Rough Riders to, to have to play that game. Uh, but kudos to them for pulling it off, uh, yeah. for for being close, you know, and the Argos nuts too. I know the way the CFL schedule makers are out to lunch. They have no <laughs> idea what they're doing. And the fact that they would have had to change a whole bunch of things, I don't think they're capable of doing that. So the fact that they changed it one day and moved it back one day was was probably the best thing they could have hoped for. It did hurt the Rough Riders who are short-staffed. They gave them a good, a good chance. But I think the crowd, when you talk about the excitement in it, it was such a beautiful night for a game. Oh. And there the Riders are almost winning the game. So I think that that all played into the into the hands of the electricity inside Mosaic Stadium. Because you mentioned the schedule, Daryl. They're through the so-called easy part that we thought looking at this against all the uh-huh. East Division teams. And then all of a sudden they go 0-3 against East Division teams. 3-3, three and and three, I think. 3-3, three 3-3, and three, three and three, yeah. sorry. Yeah, sorry. They lost. Yeah. But they're the only team to have lost in the West to lost the East Division teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so unbelievable, the, hey? So we kind of thought this would be the easy part, and then we'd see BC come in, and then we'd see the schedule where they play 10 of 11 games against West Division teams from here on out. Uh, the only time, only one game is uh, Hamilton on Thanksgiving Day weekend. The rest, they got, well, we got them all, Calgary, Edmonton, oh, Winnipeg, gosh, yeah. back-to-back games, two back-to-backs with, back-to-back with Winnipeg, back-to-back with Calgary to end the season. Boy, this this part of the schedule is really going to find out what these guys are like, and you mentioned a little earlier about playing Cody. I says, I don't know if they can afford to not play Cody against West Division teams. I know he's got a rest. I know he needs some time on that knee. Either way works. If he plays and they win, it's great. If he doesn't play and they win, it's even better. But, boy, this this stretch of the schedule is going to just be – we're going to determine whether they're going to be a home team in the Great Cup or in the playoffs or crossover or any of all those things. I just think it's going to be a pretty daunting schedule ahead of them now, Daryl. 
It really is. And, and uh, they've played a lot of their home games, too. After Labor Day, yeah. I think they've only got two home games. So they're a better team at home than they are on the road, as are most teams, I guess, when you think about it. But it is. That's a <laughs> The only team that's lost against the Eastern – only Western team that's lost against the Eastern Division teams is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and they've lost three times. Yeah. The rest of the league, what is eleven and zero? The rest of the West is eleven and zero yeah. against the East. So the Rough Riders, yeah, as we thought, that was an easy part of their schedule. It gets darn tough. They can't win without Cody Fajardo. I think they've proven that. Yeah. Uh, Mason Fine hasn't doesn't have much playing time. Is he good enough? I don't know. Probably not. If if you're getting, there are very few teams that have a backup quarterback that's good enough to win. Who is good enough to win in this league? And if you're playing your third stringer, you have no chance of winning in this league. So I think the Rough Riders are really in trouble. They, they've also been disrupted, right? Ever since that Garrett Marino thing, he's yeah. got a bad reputation throughout the league. Other players are talking about what a bad person he is. The Rough Riders are supporting him. And I think that, you know, I've said just ship him down the road. Give him an apple and a roadmap because he's bad. He's a good player. He, I don't think he can be fixed. So it's time for them to depart, to get rid of him and bring somebody else in and get this team settled down because I think he's causing so much disruption around the team that it's time that they need to settle down, get rid of the bad apples, and move on and settle things down because that gives them a better chance when they're a united and div- and a unified locker room. I think they have a much better chance of winning football games. That's a good point, you know, because he's back in a couple of games now, and it's going to bring it all back up. I know Garrett, you know, says he's not going to have anything more to say about this. Well, what has he said it. already, Murray? <laughs> Nothing. And his first yeah. practice is going to be brought out. He's going to have to come and talk to me because, and people are going to say, get over it, get over it. But we can't get over it. Until he answers him, in his little bit of his defense, I don't know what he can say to defend himself. Maybe just being quiet is probably the best way to just limp off into the well, future. Well, isn't that the best way to face it, though, Murray? Come out front. You know, Lucia's Purifoy did it last year. AC Leonard did it last year. Face yeah. the music. You know, you, you don't get somebody else to write your press release and say, "I'm not going to speak about it anymore." You can't hide. It's like Craig Reynolds, the president or the CEO of the team. Uh, where was he for all those weeks? Uh, he wouldn't talk to the media when the, the image of the football team was taking a kicking. Exactly, he needed yeah. to step forward. He did. Finally, good for him. It was a little bit too late, but he did it. And that's what Garrett Marino has to do. That's what Leonard did last year. Purifoy did last year. You have to, especially on a community-owned franchise, right? The, any franchise, if you're getting people to support you, come forward, step forward, face the music. If you and I get in trouble, we have to step forward and say, uh, we make a mistake yeah. in our stories. I made a mistake. I apologize. I hope it didn't offend anyone. Um, I will learn from this. Those are the, you need contrition. And that way you can forgive somebody if he's contrite. Like I, I'm railing on about what a bad guy I think Gary Marino is on, on the field. Uh, maybe, maybe he's learned from this. There have been players mm-hmm. throughout the years who have learned from it. Mac Henry, you were ta- you and I were talking about him last week, right? We've uh, kind of a, a checkered background and, and comes here when he was playing for the Saskatchewan Ruffers, becomes a great member of the community, right? Yes, those yeah. are great stories, and those are great people, and they face up to it and say, I've learned from this. And that's all you ever want from somebody. Football doesn't form character. It reveals character, right? That's what we always talk about. All sports are like that. So come forward and face your critics, face the music, say, I should not have done that. I apologize to the team, to the fans, and everything. And now can we move on? You know, if, if you don't want to, I understand why you don't. I'll be here for it. But I would like to move on, and this is what I've learned from it. That's what we've always wanted. Murray, you and I, like you said, we've covered this football team since the 80s, haven't we? 
and, and how many guys have we seen charged with crimes or other things or bad on-field performances and stuff? What do they do? What do the, the best things, the best ones do it? Face the music. That's what being a professional is all about. And that's what they need to do as a franchise and some of their players too. We haven't heard from Duke Williams either and why yeah. he had a tantrum before the game. Tell us what happened. Explain it. You can't just hide behind PR releases. It's not right. Even in this day when we're not facing them face-to-face quite often or because of COVID, we, we don't get that, that chance. Tell, tell the people who, excuse me, who buy the tickets what you did, why you did it, why you're sorry, and what you've learned from it. Move on. Yeah, because Duke Williams comes back, and obviously he'll be one of the questions that will be asked today because instead of looking forward to the BC Lions, we're going to look back again to what happened two, day, two games ago with Duke looking for an explanation. People are going to wonder why because we want an explanation. But anyway, moving on to the Lions there, we'll kind of get towards the end of this. Boy, that's a pretty good-looking team with a good young quarterback, great defense. Lucius Purifoy is just had a, is back to playing like he did with the Riders, another guy. But he had a good game last week. But I don't know. I think, boy, they got, they're at home, and the Lions got to travel here, and then the Riders got a bye week. But uh, I don't know what to think about this Lions game yet. I haven't quite sorted it out of my mind, but it could yeah. be scary. I like think. you said, there's so much going on with the Rough Riders right now. You forget that right in their – in their front windshield right now is one of the scariest teams in the league. And why are they good? They've built a solid team behind Nathan Worth, the young Canadian quarterback, yeah. who's very not paid very much, right? You know, there's so many quarterbacks throughout the league getting four or five hundred thousand dollars, and that takes away from other players from paying other players throughout your roster. The the Lions, who have got a really good quarterback, Rourke is way better than any of us expected. Maybe the Lions yeah. say that they knew he was going to be great. But they're underpaying for his value, which is great. Quarterbacks in the CFL are paid way too much. If you cut their salaries in half, I think that they would still be worthwhile. You can say, yeah, they're going to go as free agents. Mm-hmm. Who cares? This crop of quarterbacks is the worst crop of quarterbacks I've ever seen in the league. One to nine, <laughs> they couldn't hold candles to some of the guys who played in the 80s and 90s. I don't know. Bo Levi Mitchell at his best would have been a solid quarterback. Zach Calero shows flashes. But I, is there a Hall of Fame quarterback in the bunch? Maybe Bo <laughs> Levi Mitchell. You know, so... Uh, at the moment, they're all pretty poor, so they're getting overpaid. But the BC Lions aren't paying their quarterback very much because he's still on basically a rookie entry yeah. entry contract. What that did was allow them to spread money elsewhere. That defense may be the most underrated. Uh, you talk about guys like Purifoy, as good a player as we've seen here in a long time. They can bring in players like that, free agents, pay them another five or $10,000 to get them away from another team because they're not paying their quarterback some exorbitant amount of money. And that's why the BC Lions are good. They're solid offense and defense. You can't tell tell me that they're amazingly strong on defense and weak on offense. They're, they're amazingly strong on both because of the depth they have across the board because they could spend the money they needed to. And that's a great blueprint for any team in the Canadian Football League if they could only cut the quarterback salaries. Yeah, but I think Nathan O'Rourke's going to get his money sooner than later. Probably, yes. The Canadian Vegas. quarterback, somebody's going to pay him, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. They should have – they've put caps on on the players overall, on the coaching staffs. It's time to cap the quarterback salaries. All right. Well, Daryl, we're just about the end here, and I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the loss of a – sorry, very good friend, Kelly Hamilton. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great guy, Kelly. Um, and him and he and Len Antonini. I'm on the Regina yeah. Sports Hall of Fame executive, as you were for for years too, Murray. And we we got to meet guys like that, and we dealt with them so often. If every minor sports organization was handled the way those guys handled Regina minor football, 
Uh, we would we would have no hockey Canada scandals. We would have all these wonderful things going on with people who care about the the people who play the game and the sport itself. And that's what Kelly Hamilton did at, in conjunction with Lynn Antonini. Kelly was everywhere. He was the type of guy who you, you met him, you're happy to see him. He was always in a good exactly. mood. He was always always doing something. He supported the entire community. I always I wrote that every community should have a Kelly Hamilton. We were so lucky to have him here. I, I, I miss miss him. I miss I used to hang out when I go to a Pats game. I think Kelly was a former goalie, but that's what he told me. And he would stand behind the goaltenders at the Pats game. So I would stand up there with him and visit while he'd be moving around. So I'm gonna miss yeah. those things, those days. I'm gonna miss just seeing Kelly. And I thought it was a wonderful tribute. Uh, I know TSN did a nice tribute to him. And I also commend the Rough Riders. Uh, they, yeah. they, during the last game, they put on the board uh, tributes to, on their big video board, tributes to Kelly Hamilton and to former CFL commissioner Doug Mitchell, who was a, also a great supporter of minor football. And I think that that's really nice of the Rough Riders to do that. It made me swallow a little bit harder because I, yeah. I missed two. There were two guys I knew. And I thought, you know what? They, I don't even know if they met each other, but – they're they're both the great type of people who supported minor sports, supported the community, were front and center in anything that you needed, and uh, never but never took the credit that they deserved. You know, and uh, two wonderful guys who the the writers uh, noted together, and I, I I really that was quite a moment. That was one of the nicest moments of uh, Sunday's football game. So I'm glad you brought up Kelly because yeah, our community is going to miss him. You know, Kelly was a firefighter with great you know quite. Quite a popular firefighter. He's also worked at the Murray Golf Course behind the till. So I would see him last summer every, like I golfed quite a bit last year, fortunately. Saw him all the time. He always wanted to talk about the riders. It was negative. It was negative. It was kind of fat, but it was so great to see him. It always made my day. He'd always ask how things are going. You're busy. Yo, good time. You got time to golf and stuff like that. Good to see you out here and stuff. And he just, he just made the Murray a better place to go to. Yes, he'll be missed and good. And you know, people someday maybe just a little sort of remember drive out and take a look at Libel Field, and you see what Lynn and and uh, Kelly have built. And we have some amazing minor football facilities in this province. It's all thanks to guys like Kelly and Lynn and Saskatoon as the Saskatoon Minor Football Field, which is just an outstanding place. Yes, but good Darryl, point. Yeah, volunteers are important, aren't they? And we've lost yes. some good ones. Here's a part. I don't know if you ever made it to the end of Rider Rumblings, and here's what I have to do: is I have to read an outro because it helps the podcast. So please make sure I get this right because I'm better at writing than reading. Excuse me. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to our to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at robvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can also follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or me at Marie LP or Daryl at, at Daryl Davis SK. And Daryl, Daryl's also that's crazy. Rob tweets way more than anybody we know, but that's a good thing. <laughs> of his and dog. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Daryl, that's about it. I so appreciate you coming on on air. So I think it's our first. Have you done Ryder Rumbies before? Once, once before, a couple of years ago. Yeah, Murray, it was, it was fun. Uh, Rob was with us, and I think we we talked dogs quite a bit. But this time we got to talk exclusively football. It's good good to see you. It's just like having lunch with you, and I'll see you at Ryder Rumbies. Yeah. We'll see you there again. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll be back next week to further rehash what's going to happen with the Riders. 